Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. Be a leader not because of your role, but because of your vision, your strategy, your actions and your behaviours. Be prepared to fail. A great leader will accept failure. They will learn from that mistake, kind of pick themselves up and, and, and go again. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by David Talbot. David's the CEO of Catch, an industry-led partnership supporting the process, energy and renewable industries in the Yorkshire and Humber region. As an experienced business leader, David plans to develop Catch's vision to support the roadmap to net zero industrial emissions. David joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, David. It's great to have you with us. And it's a great pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to this. So can you tell us a little bit about CATCH, the organisation that you are chief executive for and what it stands for, what you're working towards, please? Okay, so um, CATCH is an industrial membership competency assurance and skills organisation supporting the process uh, process manufacturing, energy, engineering and and, and renewable sectors uh, around the Humber Humber Bank and and, and into West Yorkshire. Um, We offer membership services, uh, kind of uh, events, conferencing, um, advocacy for industry, sharing of best practice. Uh, We also deliver skills and and competency assurance services. Um, An example being we offer 12 network groups for industry, led by industry, that's really important for us. Uh, in areas such as the environment, um, health and safety, industrial decarbonisation, hydrogen fuel switching, um, engineering, many other um, um, matters that are are really important to our member companies. Um, We're based in Stalingrad, which is just outside Grimsby on the south bank of the Humber. Uh, the Humber Industrial Belt, um, where our site offers uh, conferencing facilities, workshops, um, classrooms, office space for um, SMEs, um, uh, and sometimes acting almost as an incubator for startups uh, in our sector. Um, but our main unique capability is our, our industry scale. Um, fully functioning process manufacturing plant, uh, which means that we can receive a, a liquid product, we can store it, we can manufacture a product, and we can issue it at the end of the day, um, you know, at the end of the process. Uh, but it's in a safe, benign environment because all we're doing is moving water around. Uh, and it's a great way for people to learn, um, you, you know, using our plant as, 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 as this kind of safe training tool, um, because when you go onto our clients' uh, sites, you're working with very dangerous substances and you, you can't make a mistake. So it's best to make a mistake with water. Yep. So um, so we, we, we kind of have learners from 16 to 70 year old, from mm-hmm. apprentices to upskilling and reskilling. Uh, and our approach is to use that kind of simulation and emulation as, as the basis for learning, primarily you know, through this process plant. It's a clever, clever uh, kind of system that we've got here. Um, it's important to point out, I think, really, that, that we are industry led. Uh, everything we do is at the behest of industry. Our skills interventions are, are, are all initiated by industry. Um, we say that we don't just engage with industry, but we truly are led by industry. Uh, you know, all our core member companies um, are either energy intensive or energy producing industries. Uh, and so, for example, um, 
we were given clear direction to support them in their endeavours to to decarbonise. That's a really important thing for our industries at the moment. And and the Humber is is the greatest emitter of carbon uh, across the UK. And so the opportunity to decarbonise this region is really is our greatest challenge. Um, but it's also, I suppose, our greatest opportunity. Uh, and my business is, is working with the uh, the local enterprise partnership uh, and eight industrial partners to deliver. Um, a, a cluster plan or a roadmap to net zero for the region by 2040. And that's a key deliverable for us at the moment. Yeah. And it's focusing a great deal of our attention. Fantastic. And so as the leader of that type of organisation at that stage of the life cycle, what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment? So I suppose the biggest challenges, I mean, we, we, we stand for industry, um, you know, in our, in our region, we support industry, we act as an advocate for industry. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as, as I mentioned, you know, decarbonisation is, is absolutely key for them. The route, route to the kind of net zero is at, the, is at the forefront of their thinking and therefore has to be at the forefront of ours. Um, you know, the cost of the infrastructure for our industry, the price of carbon, the ability of the supply chain and the skills need for the future. We have to be kind of supportive of our members through, through all of that. And these are, these are companies that have had to work through the pandemic, They've yeah. had to work through um, through Brexit, um, you know, and regardless of whether we see, um, you know, um, w- w- whether people see it as a positive or a negative, um, you know, I'm not going to get involved in that debate. Um, you know, it's it's done, so let's move forward. You know, yeah. there are still challenges um, to processes and, and for the chemical sector, for example, um, there's something called REACH, which is about registering of chemicals. Okay. Now, previously, the UK was signed up to the European system, but now we have to work within uh, within the UK uh, equivalent, uh, as well as the European system. So it's extra cost and red tape. So these are the kind of issues that we're supporting our industry with. Yeah. Uh, and, and as a leader within a, a, an industrial membership organisation, I have to make sure that, that, that we support our members because that's what we're here to do. Um, and I suppose, you know, skills as well. You know, skills is a huge challenge for our, um, for our industry. We've got an ageing workforce. Uh, we need to diversify that workforce. Um, and we need to encourage youngsters into STEM careers so that we can keep that pipeline of, of technicians and engineering going. You know, um, we, we are a very male-dominated inv- um, sector, you know, engineering and, and, and process manufacturing. So, so diversity is really important for us. Um, uh, but we've got some incredible trades within, with, within our member companies, you know, highly skilled trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well-paid trades um, for people that are straight out of apprenticeships. So really, it's about getting that message across yeah. um, uh, early enough. Um, uh, and, uh, and for me, you know, uh, it's it, it, it's about ensuring that that we support our members through that journey. That's one of my my biggest challenges in in what have been quite difficult times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so uh, thinking about your leadership career, so I had a look, obviously looked look through your LinkedIn profile and thought, crikey, you must have a story to tell. <laughs> was it was it quite an organic process, your journey into leadership, or was it by design? How did it happen? <laughs> That's an interesting choice of words. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so as you'll have picked up, my, my journey started off way back in, in 1986 um, when I left school and, and joined the RAF as a young officer. So it didn't evolve organically, absolutely not. It was absolutely by design. Um, I made a conscious decision to take a leadership role by joining the Royal Air Force as an officer. And and, and there you are, you're taught to make decisions and stick to them. 
Um, yeah. You've got to be seen to be leading from the front. Yeah. Um, so I spent 21 years learning and watching from watching military leaders. Yes. You know, what's good about that style? What's bad about it? And I gained a huge amount just by just by learning from others. Um, often in the military, you're, 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 you're expected to be at the front. Um, and you can lose touch with those behind you who may not be engaged or or as driven by your ideas. Um, and also in the military, you're expected to make decisions and then stick to them no matter what. That's seen as a strength, a strong leader. Mm-hmm. Well, I've actually seen that go very wrong. Um, you know, when a leader dogmatically will not accept that they're wrong because um, they may be seen as weak. So I learned from all that and tried to try to I try to accept when when my decision making is wrong and 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 i am ha- i believe i'm happy to change my mind yeah. uh, you know if i do feel that that maybe i'm going down the wrong wrong road i actually see that as a strength not a weakness and and i kind of um i, I welcome challenge and, and and i'll take time to consider uh, my decision from all angles before kind of confirming my intent and mm-hmm. and driving forward kind of with it with a with a with a vision so, yeah, so, that, so that way i kind of i hope i know that that I, that the decision is likely to be generally correct, or yeah. um, and the people are generally engaged with it. Um, you know, don't don't get me wrong. When I talk about the military, I learned a hell of a lot from. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot from the military days, yeah. um, uh, and you know their system is necessary and it works exceptionally well for them. You know, in the confusion, the horror, the yeah, the kind of the rapidly and changing environment of war. You know, mm-hmm. that is the only way they can operate. So back to the question, um, I, I suppose I honed my style during my 21 years in the RAF mm-hmm. uh, and then tried to relate the lessons during my, my civilian career over the last 14 years. Um, you know, I've always been driven to succeed and, 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 and never accept where I am. I'm, I'm always kind of looking up and, you know, where I and my, my, my business could be. So I've taken lessons, you know, from my military career and, as I say, and tried to hone those uh, through my civilian and, and equate them to what the civilian world needs in terms of leadership. And, and I think that is very different. Um, people talk about the difference between a manager and a leader. Uh, I, I, I struggle with that because I think a manager can be a leader and a leader can be a manager. One's not negative, one's not positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's really important to, to draw on the benefits of both. A manager you know, is, 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 is um, there to, make, um, to, to set the goals for the team, to make sure the team delivers on those goals. The leader is there to inspire and drive people forward through a vision. Mm-hmm. But they're interchangeable as far as I'm concerned. One's, as I say, one's not a negative, one's not a positive. Um, and I've learned a lot from my RAF days in particular about, about, about that difference. Fantastic. And, and so do you think there are characteristics that a successful leader needs to have? Or is it case by case? I, I suppose, yeah, if I'm considering what, what would make a great leader, I suppose there's a, a number of kind of mantras that I would have. I think um, first and foremost, a great leader doesn't have to tell people they're the leader. No. <laughs> I think that's a strange comment, but, but, but I think that's true. You know, yeah. um, be a leader not because of your role, but because of your vision, your strategy, your actions and your behaviours. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on the fact that you've been put in a position um, to, to, to draw on, to, to define the fact that you are a leader. Yeah, I think uh, as well, um, be prepared to fail. You know, mm-hmm. we all do it. A great leader 
will accept failure. They will learn from that mistake, kind of pick themselves up and, and, and go again, really. I, I think that's, that's important as well. I'm, I'm reminded of the, um, the, the, the wolf pack on its travels. Yeah. Bear with me on this one. I, I think I, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the social media post, yeah. and that really resonates with me. Um, so you know the the wolf leader, you know, sitting at the back of the of the pack while they while they travel. You know, they let the lame go first, so they can go at the pace of the slowest. Yeah. They have some of the stronger members of the team, um, and then then the the main pack with the strongest ones at the back, and then the leader sitting just outside, keeping an eye on everything. Mm. And that, to me, is what what makes a great leader, someone that doesn't necessarily have to be involved in everything. They don't have to be making every decision, but yeah. they just make sure that everything's right, everything's ticking over, everybody's got what they need, mm-hmm. um, and no one, importantly, no one's being left behind. Yes. So kind of translating that back to the work environment, you know, you need to watch your team, support them, ensure that everybody's on board of the journey, with you and has the tools to deliver. Yeah. Um, so you don't need to leave from the front, you know, make every decision, as I say, um, and keep on people's backs all the time. So you need to build a great team around you, um, you know, better than you um, to keep you on your toes. Um, and, you know, kind of deli- um, develop and empower them, uh, but leave them to deliver. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I suppose having said that, uh, I'm sure that my team may see things differently if you were to ask them, you know, kind of, uh, I, I suppose I, I, I don't always um, preach what I, sorry, uh, practice what I preach. You know, I, I know that I can get a little bit too involved at times, yeah. but only because I'm kind of passionate about what I do and kind of, and, and in driving forward my, my vision. And yeah. uh, I think sometimes I have to take my own medicine. Well, I think some, especially now more than ever, I think that's the dichotomy of the modern leader, isn't it? To know when to be behind and empowering and catch your team and be there for, you know, be the backup, I guess, but lead from behind. But then also there's sometimes you've got to be out in front taking the, taking Absolutely. the bullet. Absolutely. It's an incredible balancing act. And yeah. do you know what? The leader will never get it right all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, going back to what I said before, it's it's about learning from that when you don't get it right. And, yeah. and trying again and, and trying again. Yeah, absolutely. So is there, I guess in part you've, you've alluded to this already, but is there a, a piece of advice or an experience that shaped your leadership style in the past? Um, y- yes. Um, so, so one really poignant piece of, well, it was actually a couple of pieces of advice that someone gave me yeah, once um, in, in my early days. When I was, I was, I was, so I was a young officer in the, in, in, you know, in the RAF, and and I was talking to a to a senior leader, a senior officer. So this individual had uh, had, had about a thousand people under his command and or leadership. Um, and as we were talking, um, a a young team member came uh, just just walked past us. I think it was on on the stairs or something. Um, and the senior officer kind of broke off from our conversation. And asked the individual how he and his wife um, were, you know, and, and, and he mentioned their their names. Uh, sorry, yeah, and 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 he mentioned the names of the kids, if I remember rightly. Um, and, and then he said, you know, I hope that one of, you know, one of the kids, uh, one of the children, was feeling better yeah, after a short illness. Yeah. Now this is someone that's got a thousand people working for him, mm-hmm. and he remembered one team member. 
He remembered the why, you know, the, 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 their name, which, you know, sometimes it's hard to remember everybody in your team when you've got a big team. Yeah, yeah. He remembered the, the, the wife's team, the names of the children, and the fact that one of the children had a, had a short illness. And that really stuck with me. That, that's always stuck with me. And um, kind of after, after, you know, as soon as this, this, this chap had disappeared, you know, he, he, he said to me, he, he said two pieces of advice that, that have always remained with me. One is <clears throat> always surround yourself with people better than you so yeah. they keep you on your toes. Mm -hmm. And secondly, always take time to get to know and understand your people. What makes them tick? And what might be worrying them or on their minds? Because people will sometimes react differently to how you, you think they, they're going to react about a certain thing. But if you understand that person, you know, you can understand why they're reacting the way they are. So I, I've always listened to that. And, and I've, I've always tried to get to know my people. Again, it's not always possible in this busy world to know, you know as much as you could do about, about everybody in your team. Yeah. And and you, you again, you don't always get it right, but um, but it's an important one for me. That yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, in terms of advice that you would offer to someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps, so either wanting to become a leader eventually and just starting out in their career, or someone that's about to take that step up into a leadership role, what advice would you offer them? Uh, I suppose I, I suppose it's the same, to be honest. Um, you know, always surround yourself with a great team. Build a team around you. You know, yeah. a, a catch. I've been here five years now, and um, you know, I, I, I talk about a catch person. Yeah. There's, a, there's a kind of person that that, that I, I believe is a perfect fit for our business. It's someone who comes to work with a smile on their face. Maybe doesn't always go home with a smile on their face because you can't keep people happy all the time. No. But someone who's got a positive outlook is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's someone's happy to work hard for a hard day's work, but someone who believes in, in the business and where we're going and the, and the vision and what we're about. So surround yourself with, you know, a great team who, who work with you to that common goal. They're kind of on that journey with you. Yeah. Um, you know, give, give them goals that are achievable, but stretching. Um, buy them into the strategy and, visage, uh, 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 and vis vision that you're you're evolving, mm -hmm. and tell them as much as you can. That's another one. That's uh, um, tell people as much as you can. I've often seen managers and leaders who kind of keep their thinking to themselves um, because of a kind of a mis, in my opinion, a misguided belief that 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 almost the old adage that knowledge is power. Right. Well, I, I believe the exact opposite to that. I believe tell people as much as you can. That way they'll understand your decision. They might not agree with it, but they'll understand it. Yeah. And, and then they'll be with you on that journey. So, you know, empower people to deliver and then trust them to achieve as well. So, yeah, best bit of advice really is, 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 is just be supportive of your team, build a great team and, and empower them. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. And so thinking about leaders past or present, is there anyone that stands out in particular that you admire and why? Yes. Um, so, uh, yes, I mean, throughout your career, you, you, you see lots of people. There's people that I've worked for that I admire, um, people that I've learned a huge amount from. But, I mean, thinking maybe towards the more public kind of leadership um, people within the public kind of realm, you know, there are the, there are great business leaders that I that I follow on social media, the likes of Richard Branson. You know, I might not believe everything that that he believes in, but but certainly the way that he he runs his business um, is fascinating, really. And actually, I, I, 
I suppose the interesting thing, when you're asked to kind of pick a leader that, mm. that you admire, is that almost by default, leaders are going to be divisive characters because they make difficult decisions. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, kind of not everybody will agree with those decisions. Um, so they're the ones that are almost willing to make the unpopular decision to get to the position they're in. Okay. Uh, but by doing so, they, you know, they still manage to bring people with them mm-hmm. on, on the journey. So kind of, I suppose, the bigger the, bigger the challenge, the bigger the vision, and, and therefore the bigger the leader. Yeah. Um, you'll, never, you'll never take everybody on that journey with you. Um, but if you remain solid and steadfast, then you, you'll win through. And I suppose, I suppose if, you had, if I had to pick one, one leader that I most admire, uh, and you could almost argue it's an obvious one, but in a way it almost isn't. Okay. I'd probably choose Churchill. Okay. Um, you know, I, I know that a number of your listeners will vehemently disagree with me, kind of due to his views, um, you know, which were of his time, but also his kind of bullish ways and heavy drinking, very macho, you know. So he, this is why I'm saying, you, you know, leaders aren't always popular. Yeah. Um, but look at him through the war years, you know, never really has anyone faced a challenge such as Churchill had and kind of through his resolute character, his, um, his, um, his kind of communication skills and, and kind of dogmatic determination, um, uh, you know, and, and kind of belief, you know, he won through and saved not just a nation or nations, but, but, but a way of life. And, you know, we still quote him today. Um, I won't, I won't try and do that, but, you know, we do still quote him today. Um, which really is testimony to the strength of his words and uh, and determination. So, you know, that kind of, in a way, almost goes against everything I've just said, because, you know, do I lead in the same way as him? Absolutely not. Um, But do I believe he was the right person at the right time to save the free world? You know, despite all his flaws and, you know, his well-publicised depression and drinking, well, absolutely. So if I had to pick one, it would be it would be Churchill. But there's different different people I would choose for different things. You know, as I yeah. say, Richard Branson as a business leader, Churchill as a, a leader through adversity, um, yeah. and also people throughout my career. Yeah, and that's that's really sort of the the point of this podcast that leaders come in all shapes and sizes, and it's different different shapes and sizes for different organisations, different challenges. Absolutely, yes. Yes. And so what's next for Catch over the next six to 12 months and how can people learn more if they want to get in touch? We, we really have a, a, a really exciting business here at Catch. Um, we've been through the pandemic. Um, we're coming out the far side of it. To be fair, honest, I can honestly say we've never been busier. Um, a, a lot of our business has, has effectively, you know, we, we support business. So we are supporting business through that kind of pandemic recovery but we deliver skills and and those skills haven't gone away those need for those skills and in in a way they've just been put to the right over the last kind of uh, 18 months or so so we are just so busy building up uh, building up our skills capability but but really over the next kind of 12 months decarbonization clean growth is absolutely front and center of of our drive um, in, in all aspects of our business, not just to support our members. Um, and we're looking at, uh, at how we can provide a legacy to, to drive towards net zero by 2040, 2050. Mm-hmm. But actually internally as a business, we're looking at how we can do things better ourselves. So we're also on a journey. We've just signed a pledge called the SME Climate Hub, 
So it's for SMEs to make that pledge to a, to a roadmap to net zero themselves. And that's really important. So we're just benchmarking all of our, uh, you know, our carbon and our waste and, and journeys and all the, all the different aspects that go into your carbon footprint. So that's a really exciting opportunity. And if anybody wants to find out about us, um, uh, www.catchuk.org. Um, I have a look at the website and I'm always happy to take a phone call from anyone. My details are, are on the website. Fantastic. Thank you, David. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thanks very much, Amy. I hope that's what you were after. Thank you.